Bob Lazar, right? There's a guy who, um, who was it? He, I forget. Do you know what year he came out? Like he with his story it was in the eighties, I know, but I think it was the eighties. Yeah, I forget now exactly when. But he basically, yeah, he came out with the story, and basically told people that he got hired to work in you know what's now known as Area Fifty One, the, the dry lake bed and. In, uh, outside of uh, Las Vegas, right, in Nevada. So yeah, here's the thing. They call it the Groom Lake, something like that. So now you can actually see it on, on funny enough, on Google Maps. If you go on the satellite imagery, you can actually see it exactly how he said it was back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So when Bob Lazar came out and described it, you could describe that there were these three hangars in the side of the mountain that were painted to look like the mountain, and that's where they kept uh, the discs. And then it's uh, you can actually see it. If you go to Google Maps, you'll actually see those those hangers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there was a lot of other st stories that he came up with. And basically, you know, he talked about the sp spacecraft he worked on. <clears throat> he talked about you know basically all, all this crazy stuff. Which again, I'll you know I'm gonna link to all these things uh, so you guys can check out the full story if you haven't heard. But I'm guessing most people have heard this story already. And recently, he's been a few times already on the Joe Rogan podcast. And there, he really gives, again, like more detailed accounts of, of the story. He hasn't changed the story for so many years now, uh, over 30 years. He hasn't uh, he hasn't sold anything. He's not making money from it. Not only that, but actually created a lot of problems for him because he is actual actual inventor, scientist. Uh, he's done some pretty crazy inventions and stuff. Um, and like so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like like that. Was it jet-powered car or something like that? Yeah, that, I remember on uh, Rogan's podcast, he talked about... Um, I think that's how they actually found him. What, what do you mean? They, they saw like they car. Like the government, like that's, I think that's how they heard about him, was him putting that rocket in his car. Mm -hmm. The rocket-powered uh, engine in his car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, without a doubt, the guy is smart. And also, you know what I find interesting is, for example, he talked about things like... Element 115, that that's what was powering, supposedly, the spacecraft. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, of course, when he said that in the 80s, people thought he was crazy. There is no such thing on the periodic you know, chart, right, on the table. So there, there was no such thing that basic scientists were like, well, that doesn't exist, a particle, right? And, and that, you know, or an element. And he said, no, that element 115 is something that... that said he doesn't know whether it naturally occurs in nature, maybe on another planet, or if it's something, yeah, this is the car, I guess, that he built, right? Or one of the cars. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think that was the, the hydrogen one. No, he's, he's, he's not a damas. <laughs> he definitely knows. What's that sound you got over there? What's going on over there? You got a disco? <laughs> <laughs> I keep on hearing like... Doo -doo -doo -doo. No, it's a stupid camera. Just trying to figure it out how to... Oh, is it turning off? Yeah, it keeps messing up. Oh man, okay. Technical well, technical difficulties, people. Yeah. <laughs> well, so anyways, what's interesting, like I said, is that uh, Bob Lazar talked about that element 115 back in the 80s, and again, people ridiculed him. They said that such a thing doesn't exist. Well, fast forward to it was like almost 30 years later, almost. Yeah, I think it was like 20, like. 13-ish, 15, that, something yeah, like that. Scientists finally created element 115. They're saying, mm -hmm. I know it's not as stable as he was claiming it was, but 
but they basically said that if they keep on tinkering, I guess, with the number of electrons that are in it, that they can actually make it more stable. Um, right. So then now, of course, right now, they can only create like two atoms. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort. So uh, definitely not enough, like, like he was saying, to be able to power a vehicle like that. But again, um, who knows? Maybe in a hundred years, we'll be able to create all of that artificially or we'll find it on another planet or something, right? You know, we're, we're, we're gearing up now to go to, um, you know, to Mars and other, other planets, so. Um, so definitely, Bob Lazar, like, like I said. With Elon Musk, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he said he's trying to do, what, I forget the year, but he said actually pretty soon that they're trying to do that. Well, they're working on it already. I remember mm -hmm. I went in 20, God, when was it, 2018? Of 2019, I was invited. I was like part of the, part of the, like those influencers, whatever, uh, to NASA, the Kennedy Space Center, um, and that was pretty cool. I got to talk to the guys from NASA and from SpaceX that are working there. I got to go to where, where they actually build all the the rockets and all that stuff, even like the Apollo missions. Um, but what was cool was you know we saw them getting ready for one of the launches to the the ISS the International right. Space Station. And then uh, two days later, I was invited, you know, I, I wasn't in the control room, but I was basically in the, um, at NASA, at the Kennedy Space Center, and I have footage from it. Um, and and uh, I was actually there with a whole bunch of other like influencers and other like NASA media people. And we were as close as we could get to the rocket while, you know, it was launching. That was an experience, I gotta tell you. If you ever have a chance to go and like even if because my wife for example couldn't go with me she didn't, she didn't have because like they they take it seriously like even just to get there they had to check my passport my criminal record like all that stuff because they you know it's like i'm uh, i guess I'm a matter of national security so they don't let just anybody go in there and so mm -hmm. my wife my wife for example couldn't go so she was uh she was staying in um, you know, basically with, with our kids in a, in a hotel room and um titusville i guess it is uh, the closest town and she said she also, because the lunch was at like 3 a.m., she woke up because she saw that light. And she was, like I said, you know, much further than I was. And I was right across the, the like, this one of the islands, you know, right across, basically as close as we could get to the lunch. Right. And, and we actually saw the rocket, you know, like fire off and then go into space. Man, that was an experience. Like, the sound, it's rockets. And again, comparing that to what people <coughs> are saying about the... UFO technology that are perfectly silent. Right. Yeah, our rockets are like primitive technology. It's literally this giant explosion and just sends this huge object up in, uh, into space. Now, it was an amazing experience. Like, we were, like I said, in the middle of the night and it lit up the whole thing. I mean, the the, the whole environment, like all of the islands nearby and where we were, it just suddenly turned from, from night to day. Um, so it was, it was a cool experience. But anyways, um, so, like I said, so, um, you know, is, uh, hearing the story of, like, Bob Lazar and then him describing this technology that came through. Or, for example, he was describing, like, this uh, fingerprints, but first he said they had these handprints that you literally would put your hand and it would, like, scanner, scan your hands. And that was the way you would get around, like, get through past the different clearances, right, that you had, you know, the different doors in the at the facility there, which again, back in the 80s, people thought that was ridiculous, you know, whatever, you just show your ID or something. And 
and of course now we know because well Pentagon and you know all that other stuff they already admitted yeah. and they released photos and it was and then the photos look exactly even though it was like years years after he was talking about it and he described it and he drew pictures of it and years later they released those photos and they showed it as old technology and then that's when the government upgraded to fingerprint technology right scanners so like mm -hmm. he knew this stuff he's the guy's clearly not a quack he's not doing this for money and what's interesting is he described in in detail actually how these spacecraft basically work um and the way he kind of describes it is <coughs> oh my sorry uh the way he describes it is that they're they have these three uh, anti-gravity basically generators uh, uh, on the bottom of the, the craft. So basically on the on the bottom portion of the craft here. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of, you know, they're hidden. You can't obviously see them. They're hidden in the thing. But when you go inside the craft, you can you can kind of look mm -hmm. down and, and you can see them. And he, this is him kind of drawing them. And you can see here he's got these three kind of beam generators. And those things are like on a gimbal, each one of them. So they can be pointed in any way. It's kind of like as if you had a camera tripod. So you know you need three to be stable, and they're 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 anti gravity basically like propulsion. So they, if they're pointed in different directions, they can kind of balance themselves. And then when they want to move in a certain direction, they just all point to one point in space. So they all rotate, and when they point to one point in space, they create basically essentially they create negative gravity, meaning it mm -hmm. feels like the craft is falling into that hole. But of course, it could be going up or left or right, down, doesn't matter. But that's how it's moving. So essentially, it doesn't need propulsion like we have, where we need to emit some kind of air or push through air. It, this basically doesn't, doesn't rely on air at all. It essentially creates like a, like a hole in the space, you know, in the space itself. And that creates, you know, makes the craft fall into that hole. And the bigger, obviously, negative, you know, gravity that they, they create, the faster it falls into that hole. And that's also the reason why it can be going super fast in one direction and suddenly turn 90 degrees and go in the other direction. Because if it turns and suddenly it's falling in, in the other hole, well, then the person inside the craft would never feel the difference. To right. them, if, if anything, it would just feel to them like they're kind of falling down a little bit. But that's all. doesn't matter where it's pointing. You know, um, basically, inertia would have no effect. And it was so very interesting technology he was describing. Like, honestly, like it's, he, he basically said like what they figured out um was how to control gravity exactly which, which has is amazing <laughs> which if you think about it if you can do that then suddenly all those other stories that billy meyer the guy from switzerland who was talking about the stuff back in the you know 70s and 80s um uh, he basically described in his books and i've read not all of the his books but i read the books which are essentially they're, they're not the most exciting books because they're kind of Again, he's not a writer, but he's the ideas that are in those books are pretty incredible. Uh, and also, I read because he wrote it in German, and I, you know, obviously read a pretty bad translation of it. Um, but these are very long books, and they're essentially like a like a manuscript of conversation he has with this girl that uh, she claims to be, you know, Pleiadian, or he claims that it's a Pleiadian, so meaning uh, an extraterrestrial from the Pleiadian star, you know star or whatever or, or the, the solar system and he describes it and and i remember when i was reading those books it's just kind of like as a matter of fact like so and so you know whatever march you know 5th for example you know 1978 whatever 2 p.m 
I, you know, I, I get a calling. I go out onto the field in front of the house. Boom, the, you know, the discs lands. And, um, the, you know, she comes out. I forgot her name now. And he describes, like, everything, like, normal. And then, oh, we sit down. We're sitting for 40 minutes. We're talking. She asked me this. I said that. Like, literally, it's like a transcript. And what's interesting, too, is he even asks in those books, like, while they're having conversations, he says, like, why Why should I? Because she tells, says, you ha- you, you're you going to have to write all of this down, right? And and just write it and let people see. And he goes, but why? What's the what's the point of me thing? And she goes, oh, don't think about it. Just it needs to be done. And then when I was like thinking about it, I'm like, well, if it is true, again, I, I you know, there's no way of knowing. I mean, you either trust the guy or you don't trust him. But it, let's say it is true. Then I'll tell you that, uh, first of all, all the stuff that Bob Lazar was saying, again, a completely different person, a very scientific person, right? Right. It, it checks out. Uh, because they actually even describe like how the spa- their discs work, and uh, and for example, because w- they you know he for example says like why is it that sometimes your uh, the spacecraft just kind of looks like it's bobbing around like that, and they're saying that basically when they're just using the anti gravity propulsion, they're they're basically creating the negative field of the gravity basically that's that Earth is creating, but the gravity of course is never perfectly the same uh, you know and and if you go like basically along the surface of the earth because it depends on the thickness of the crust like if you're higher up in the mountains might be less slightly less gravity or if there's different metals materials in the in the earth that all affects the basically the the gravity right the gravitational pull and so what they're saying is that basically as you're floating actually this kind of very like kind of hovering mode is the least stable that's when the craft is kind of like as it passes over the different gravitational effects of earth it will it will look like it's kind of like bobbing a little bit it's not the most stable so either they're when they're really high up away from you know earth and then they become a lot more stable or when they're moving really fast and they're very stable or when they completely land otherwise when they're kind of like hovering in that mode the aircraft thing so again checks out because bob lazar who claims he saw these crafts up close he was you know back engineering them all that stuff he literally describes this stuff, and he says he saw, I think, two times the the craft being operated by one of the the pilots there at the, the uh, airbase, and he right. said, and he describes how it was flying exactly the same as the way Billy Meyer was describing the way that in those his books it's described and the way that his videos show. So it's interesting in that sense. He also uh, Bob Lazar saying talks about how why is it that especially at night these craft always just pretty much look like a ball of light, mm-hmm. and he says it's because of the uh, negative basically anti gravitational field that creates and it's basically energized with electricity. It ba- pretty much acts like a like a like a light bulb would like in a vacuum when you have you know the the, the coils and you put a little electric charge through it. It lights up. It basically mm-hmm. burns, right, in the air, and that's essentially what's happening. Is it's there's this electric discharge around the craft that is burning the oxygen that's in the air, creating you know basically like creating like a little spark, you could say, like all around it. It's constantly these little sparks, which creates like a like a like a little glow effect. So that's why these crafts l- seem like they're glowing all the time. Um, also, he describes that when you go under the craft, he says. That they become invisible because essentially yeah i was i was just thinking that i'm like i swear i remember him saying something like if they they become invisible and that's why you can't yeah. see if you're directly under it yeah yeah and the, and it makes sense because that we already know in science that 
basically gravity, like especially the the gravities of like things like you know big objects in space, like planets or you know our sun. Even uh, the bigger the gravitational pull, the more it can bend light. So, for example, we can see certain planets or or solar systems, you know, or or you know uh, galaxies that are technically behind our sun. We shouldn't be able to see them, but we can see them simply because uh, the sun itself can redirect the, the light that's coming off of those those galaxies. So to us, it's, it's visible, but it's technically behind the sun. Mm-hmm. So it's something that Einstein first basically calculated and then was proven by a bunch of scientists based on his theories. And and so we know that thing. So when you listen to the Bob Lazar story or Billy Myers, then suddenly all those things, you know, like kind of gel together, I would say. Because then right. you go, okay, so that's why Billy Meyer said that if they want to, they can very easily become invisible. You will not be able to see them because all they have to do is direct their that, that gravitational, basically, you know, energy, and as in a way towards certain basic direction where all you're going to see is the objects behind it, right? It will bend mm-hmm. bend uh, light itself. 